Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. I think that I think there are a lot more people in leadership roles who are much more aware of compliance obligations and that they are accountable for them um, and where they fit in that. That, um, but whether the, the, that sort of gets rolled to the side as as other forces take over, the tsunami of economy takes over. Um, remains to be Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine. And today, once again, we have our managing director, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. Hello, Kwame. So last time we spoke, I think we were discussing um, the argument for internal audit having more influence on boards and management in financial institutions and how that's working. And then we discussed the parallels with compliance and why it's important for compliance, risk and compliance to have more of an influence in that space as well. Um, mm. Today, we're going to talk a bit about the sort of narrative around compliance and its effectiveness and whether their compliance departments were prepared for this particular situation or not. Um, and I guess perception versus what is actually happening. And I know you've said in the past that compliance professionals are working harder than they ever have, maybe in some cases, not less. Um, so I guess we could really get a sense of what are some of the issues that you have been seeing arising for compliance professionals over, I guess, over this period of disruption? Um, look, I guess the big one is a lot less than we thought there would be. Um, yeah. There have been some really interesting comments coming out of our discussion group around remotely operating compliance frameworks um, that's indicated that everyone who had a mature framework and they'd worked on building their relationships with their key staff members or business units heads or whoever they had to have a relationship with. They did it so effectively that those people knew to go to them and they had a vague idea of what they needed to tackle. So some of the big obvious things that, um, you know, they had the business continuity plan. Some of the members were, were commenting that they were brought into those discussions two weeks or well in advance of the lockdown happening in anticipation that something would have to happen. And so they could tweak it with their understanding of, of building in some of the obligations and some of the key considerations. So then when they made the jump, you know, our members are talking about those staff members proactively reaching out to them and engaging with them to make sure they've covered off whatever they need to cover off because they know that they don't know a whole lot of stuff um, and addressing especially privacy considerations when you might have a call centre or a staff member working from home and having to keep records or operate in the cloud, but some of it might have to be sitting on their computer in their house and, and things like that. Um, and they seem to have put that to, to bed very rapidly, very effectively and, and efficiently for their organisations. And I think that what will happen at the end of this is that a whole lot of people will do a whole lot of back padding um, and compliance, again, may miss out on the applause they deserve for having been an integral piece of having a framework to move to move um, organisations across in a rapidly changing situation. Um, so kudos to our members and we'll be, we'll be you know, watching this space to make sure that, that they are able to take the credit where it's well deserved um, because it's been amazing to watch. And we, we seem to now already be in a cycle where our members are looking to the future. Um, so if this workplace situation continues on either electively because organisations have decided working remotely is a really good thing for them or whether we're required to keep operating this way for a while longer, um, 
they are taking on that mantle of anticipating what impact that will have on them. So some interesting sort of queries then coming out of that is that the essentials of the framework and the controls have, um, have endured the test of this crisis period. So it's then monitoring and doing their usual BAU that, that the controls they've put in place uh, are managing. But it's their concerns are now going to all that um, uh, work that they put in place to have the foundation of credibility and expertise and relationship, how they're going to maintain that in this new world, if that is what the organisation chooses to do in a much, much longer term or we end up with a medium to longer term environment where um, they don't see a lot of the stuff that they used to physically see. Because in some organisations, that is how the relationship is built um, with the compliance department, being there, prompting questions, being trusted, being known, being visible. Um, and visibility in, rem in a remote world, that's a really difficult sell. Um, and so they they're going to have to look for other solutions. And so that's where they're looking to. They're looking to this future of how they're going to keep remaining relevant in their organisations and keep maintaining that relationship. Oh, and that's really interesting answer because I guess there's, um, if we looked back at the period of disruption and we start go, dial back to before Australia and other countries got involved and it was just China that seemed to be getting a bit disrupted. Um, Kent Kettle from Control Risks was saying that many organizations there already had a period of disruption prepared in their business continuity plans because not necessarily because of a pandemic, but because of um, political relationships between countries and that kind of thing. So they were always sort of prepared for a type of disruption. Um, so it sounds like even in our context here in Australia, there was always a kind of preparation for things that need to be done um, regardless and that people seem sufficiently competent. So I guess the question is, what is perpetuating that narrative that organizations from their compliance perspective may not have been ready or prepared? What, what was starting that narrative? I think it is that normal fear of technology and that, and then in the compliance related space is the fear around compliance for a lot of people in an organisation, and this is where I think is at director level, and which is, you know, another, another future challenge for our members as well, I think, um, is that people are afraid of things they don't understand, but could have a massive impact on them. So um, compliance for a lot of people in an organisation, and it can be from director down, they don't understand um, necessarily what's required of them or if it's a problem that can be solved. And as we were discussing just prior to this, um, this podcast, a lot of the, the, the view on compliance is that it's ticker box, not in that ticker box, let's get it done way, that when at a strategic level you're having a discussion about complying and you might say in your, in your motherhood statement, oh, we, we want to be 100% compliant. But the reality is when you're sitting at board level, you go, okay, can we afford to be compliant with this one or are we going to run the risk? As opposed to understanding there is a nuance in there and there's a potential to solve a problem in there as opposed to just you either switch it on or switch it off. It's how could we adapt some of the processes to be compliant as opposed to we don't have to switch off that business um, to solve that problem and we don't have to switch off compliance to solve your business problem. We can, we can meet both. And, um, and I think this is what also will be a future impact of, of this current crisis is that right at this point when all this was rolling forward and we were learning lots of lessons from um, 
crisis management with the bushfires and leadership and all kinds of things, the Royal Commission and bushfires and all that sort of rolling in, a lot of our members were ready to take their leadership teams to that next level of sophistication and maturity in their understanding of dealing strategically with compliance obligations as opposed to that ticker box thing. So our members have got, are all over that. Um, but I do feel that at a director level, because it hasn't been the tradition to recruit from compliance personnel up to director level yet, because we're quite a relatively young profession, um, they are afraid of what they don't, the complexity they don't understand. And our members were ready to take them to that next level, but we've had a crisis intervene. And so the strategic discussions are all around keeping the doors open, you know, it, which, it, which makes complete sense. But it's like, will we ever get back to that space? Will we ever get back to that understanding and, and potential to build that understanding of compliance as a business strategy tool? Even though it's proven its worth in the current crisis as a strategic tool, having frameworks, having controls you've documented out, having all that stuff, being able to switch over, um, already having those discussions around technology as a control and as supervision and as monitoring and reporting and gathering data. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the crisis is disrupting some of those conversations that, that would have been nice to get to maturity level. I guess what would be an interesting discussion maybe in the future, I, I do, in a previous podcast with um, Evelyn Albrecht, we were talking about change fatigue. And of course, the change fatigue in that context was Royal Commission and all the sort of expected changes that would have come from that. And that would have been back in, I guess, 2019 maybe even late 2018 so it'll be interesting now to see what change fatigue might look like in this context as well I know they've sort of stopped the regulatory flow um, or slowed it down at least um, there are lots of other changes that need to be made within an organization to prepare it for this entire this kind of environment um, remote yeah, working that's right. and, yeah but it would be it would be really great if compliance and risk and internal audit could be brought into those discussions with the things they've learnt prior to this, the things they've learnt through the crisis and bring that into the, the new world of how we're going to do business and how we are going to work through the, you know, the economy um, and, and rebuilding that kind of thing because there's definitely a contribution to be made from the lessons that were learned. How easy it was to keep people compliant in this space, that everyone was very willing to cooperate and, and move forward. Um, but I, I am concerned that that opportunity will be missed by leadership teams. So in a recent conversation with um, Shane Baker, CEO from Taz, and I mentioned him because of the recent, um, the, the fourth compliance index report that they've released. Um, one of the things that he highlighted in conversation was really this piece around, he thinks that at least leaders and directors are a little bit more aware um, of compliance. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, the Royal Commission. And he didn't mention it, but I imagine the age Royal Commission's included there, as well as some of the other major events um, which have taken place recently. Um, do you think that the preparedness of our compliance professionals and maybe even maybe some increased resourcing, if that is happening, um, is as a result of these past events um, has, has put them in a position to weather the storm, if you like? Look, I think, it, I think it certainly helped a lot of our members have conversations that needed to be had. Yeah. Um, there was a credibility around the warnings that had been given to a number of organisations by the compliance people. Um, so, you know, so they were, um, their, their messages were supported by evidence that was out in the public domain, let's put it that way, and they weren't, that, you know, 
it wasn't compliance people telling spooky stories anymore. This had really happened and everyone had been dragged through the mill. Um, and, you know, and, and people's careers had been destroyed as a consequence, all that kind of stuff. So I think they, that um, directors were a lot more aware. And like I say, they were on the precipice of being willing to accept that there were other things they needed to understand about this and it wasn't something that you could just hope someone um, in the compliance area was looking after for you and really um, accept their role as part of the three lines um, of accountability in this. So it's whether that, uh, whether they are going to be prepared and willing to pick that up again. Um, we're now going to be battling against the, um, the pull of economic measures and, um, you know, operating business and, and getting back to profitability kind of uh, concerns again. Um, and I'm worried that because we weren't able to, some organisations might not have been able to make that jump. Some of them might have been able to. Um, they might not get that, that key connection that you can do all that and be compliant as you go along and build your maturity as you go along. Um, so I'm hoping that the good news stories out of this from a compliance and operations and business continuity perspective get told as well um, as, as all those other stories. So yes, I think, that, I think there are a lot more people in leadership roles who are much more aware of compliance obligations and that they are accountable for them. Um, and where they fit in that, that um, but whether the, the, that sort of gets rolled to the side as, as other forces take over, the tsunami of economy takes over, um, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, and, and I guess you kind of started this conversation with a bit of a good news story because you said how the staff are sort of reaching out to the compliance professionals. And it makes me think of other discussions and podcasts and courses we've had in the past with um, Vivian Begg, which we just had today, structured writing expert talking about emails and essential bits of communication. We have Sarah Ewan, obviously, in public speaking for life, discussing how best to operate with Zoom, whether to look into the camera, which I never do, um, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, recent podcast, we had Dr. Bob Murray, who really spoke about the, I guess, the essentials of influence, um, which don't change even on a digital platform. It's just about being a bit more clever about clever about it in terms of the listening and the sort of how to get your point across that even if it might be a difficult point one that is different to the one that the person on the other side of the screen is is willing to hear or willing to accept um so yeah so i guess we we're ready there somewhat um so i guess the question is i, I was going to ask a question about how people are engaging um with their businesses in this sort of remote environment but i think you've really established that um, our profession, the risk and compliance professionals are already doing it um, yep. in quite an effective way, um, even in this remote sort of setup. They are, and they're, um, they're yeah. putting an enormous amount of energy into that, checking in with their teams, checking in with their business units, setting all that up, and to, to you know, they were early adopters of understanding that you cannot rely upon email to get these kind of comms happening. So, um, you know, I've always known that our members were really creative and really always looking to problem solve that engagement issue um, but yes they were very very proactive about this and checking in much more much more frequently than probably people are accustomed to but but in this environment that's probably very very nice thing to do because it could it would be very easy to be just sort of left to your own devices for days on end 
and compliance teams are the ones that are checking in and leading this. Um, so they're doing well, a great job. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely good. Well, we're down to the, the last question. So I guess any final thoughts, any bits of advice for um, those who might be listening who are, you know, just not just trying to get it done in this period, but maybe the after as well. Um, to maintain what they've created. I think, I think now's created. the time. It, it, it's obvious that a lot of our members have vetted down some of the issues. They've they've done some really fast learning, been really, really adaptive, especially as we've observed, there have been lots of government decrees that, that um, the regulators have had to scramble to to catch up with uh, and and find ways. They've they've um, they've adapted to all those other things. So it is time now to look to the future of how are you going to maintain this and have a plan out for how are you going to keep that connection, keep that relationship? Because as much as it's really great to have the framework mapped out, have all your controls and everything, uh, it's still a human connection. People still want to understand why it's important to them and their organisation. Otherwise, compliance just has become a whole list of rules and regulations. And um, our members have already put in a lot of work to date to make it a personal value kind of journey for everyone in the organisation. So there's, there's, uh, they've done a really good job with keeping up with the, the staff who are not face-to-facing with customers anymore, but they're relating to, to customers most likely. Um, and it's now getting that reach back into boards and making sure that they're not forgotten in this continued and they get to be continued in this dialogue moving forward, I think, and make sure that compliance is considered um, as we jump forward, because again, even though we we reached, we had two weeks of possible stability there for a little while, we're now entering back into this period of rapid government announcements. Um, you know, things that we were assured are going to keep going till September, are now being pulled back to June. So, um, and then on top of all that, we may end up with a second wave, and that may all, <laughs> all get reversed again. So. Um, so I think for our members that the coming challenge, and they've already anticipated it, is keeping up their relevance with the leadership team in their organisation um, and keeping included in those strategic discussions and then keeping up their relationship. And if this is what's going to happen longer term um, and the novelty of Zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff wears off, they're going to have to get quite creative about maintaining their relevance and connection, I think. Um, I think that will be probably a, a theme for future conferences. You know, what have you got to do to get attention and compliance still? Oh, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, Naomi, and we'll have you on again soon. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.